0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. It is a Monday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, the 27th of February, 2023, which means we're in trade deadline week, which will be Friday. And joining us to talk about that, the team's recent play, and much more, including a round of Flyers Factor Fiction. NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you? I am
1: doing well. Happy to see uh, February about over from a standpoint it's uh, the tough month
0: yeah it has not been kind that's for sure and, and it's pretty amazing Bill because they have that run from I'm pretty sure it was the 29th of January in San Jose and they go on that run where they're playing really good hockey I think they had for a stretch there about a month they had the second or third highest points percentage over that stretch of time in the NHL but as quickly as that kind of came it's gone and it's certainly in the rear view and that can be uh, pretty summed up in what happened against the New Jersey Devils in seven nothing loss.
1: Yeah, uh, really, really both games this weekend. You know, I, I was going back and forth with my mind to, to think of which game was more galling. You know, to to lose to Montreal without with the to have missing thirteen players from the lineup, <sighs> or, to get, or to get curb stomped the way they did in you know in, in Newark. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you could make the case for either one. But they both happened the same weekend. So it's, uh, you know, it's I, – I don't know what to say other other than that it's, uh, you know, all, hard to go down from there, you know. Let's, yeah, uh, it's pretty discouraging,
0: isn't it? You know? It is. It is.
1: Um, it is because the team had been competitive other than a couple of games all season. but But in February, you know, you, you couldn't even say, well, those are the outliers because it happened way too often,
0: you know. Yeah, uh, you look at the numbers and inside the numbers, Flyers were two seven and one in the month of February. Nineteen goals for in the ten games and forty goals allowed. It's it's not going to get it done. It's going to be hard to win games uh, with those goals for and goals allowed numbers uh, as well. You know, you, Bill, you look at the the game sort of the weekend, like you mentioned. You know, they get outscored twelve to two and. And the reason why I'm not sure which one's worse, certainly from a scoreboard perspective, seven, nothing looks worse. But as you mentioned, they're missing 13 players, not a good team. And a good team, you know, came in and just and took care of business. And sometimes you go, well, it's good after a bad game to, to get right back on it and play the next day. It's one of the advantages of hockey. But it was, that wasn't the day to do it. And were you a little surprised? I was really taken back on. Um, after the game on Friday against Montreal about how understanding torts was. I don't fall out of line with him in assessments very often, but he and I were on totally different pages of the book with uh, the assessment on what happened on that game on Friday against Montreal.
1: Yeah. And often, you know, we're not privy to what goes on in the room. I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if ahead of that time, I mean, out of earshot to, to all of us in the media, uh towards an explosion at some point and you, you can't you can't always sound the same note so sometimes sometimes this team is is down and they're curb stomped and you just uh you have to take the this the more understanding more and more understated approach because because if you sound the same note all the time and it didn't work you know then then you get tuned out so you you almost have to you almost have to go to, to the other to the other end that, that's honestly what i was thinking because i was expecting a much stronger reaction uh, particularly after the Montreal game, yeah, you know? me too. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I was just going to say that at least, at least in the Jersey game, they had a pretty good first period, and then yeah. the the forty minutes were just were just sheer hell. But but at least they got off to a decent start in that game, and, and Montreal just was three bad periods.
0: Yeah, it really was. And and the thing about it that we don't know as well is we don't know where the coaching staff and messaging is because we don't see behind the scenes, all of that stuff. Has he been tough on him the last week? And it's time now maybe to shift gears and hug, or, you know, we don't know that. So uh, I was taken back from it. And, you know, he mentioned on a more than a couple of occasions in that press conference that, you know, coming back from a road trip, it is tough. And it is one of those spots that you look at on the schedule and you go, okay, that's tough. You come back from a out of time zone, multiple four game trip. That first game back is tough, but, It's one of the things that I remember back in the 1920 season, they had gone out for a long trip and they came back. They didn't even have a day off. They come back from the long trip. I think it was like a nine day trip and they faced Washington that Wednesday night at home. And I was like, this is a spot where you just get it handed to you. They had a good trip and they came back and they beat Washington like four or five to one. And I was like, Ooh, okay. That shows me that this team's different because it happened, I think in February as well, which is a tough time. Um, And that's what took place in that situation. The the game against New Jersey, and it looks like New Jersey's making the trade for Timo Meyer. I know there's a little bit of a snag with a a player that's part of the deal that might be injured, but um, Jersey loading up, Bill. And they're a team that last year finished just two points ahead of the Flyers. They had 63 points, the Flyers had 61. I wonder about their goaltending still. Is it going to be something that's going to hold up come the playoffs? We'll find that out in time. But just because they were two points ahead of the Flyers last year, they were a far different team along in their process than the Flyers were
1: uh, for sure. For sure. You know, they, they, they had the young core they were building. They had a good second half too. Yeah. You know, they, they, they ramped up as the season went along. They were kind of out of it. And some sometimes, you know, when you're playing with no pressure, go, you know, okay, well, they're out of the race, they're, they're winning games now, but what about, what about when they reset? Um, you know, they are, I mean, they've, they've been building, a they've been building a core. And it's also funny how, you know, you look at this season and it started out with a loss of the Flyers in opening night, actually, in, in Philly. Three. Yep. And, um, you know, and, and there are all the rumors that Lindy Ruff was just about just about out. And then all of a sudden, you know, not not, not flipped the switch because it's been a lot of years coming. I mean, the Devils missed the playoffs for a lot of years here. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's been a long time since the Devils were the Devils and. You know, now, now with the New Devils. I mean, there are uh, there's a lot of talent, and a lot of speed on that roster. But it but it wasn't like uh, you know, it wasn't like it started a year a year ago. I mean, this has this has been a process to try to build. And now all of a sudden, the young town is stepping to the forefront, and, and you can see uh, it's a really good club with a lot of with a lot of talent. You had Timo Meyer to that mix, and um, you know, all of a sudden wow, this is a really really good club, and it'll be you know, it'll be a good club for a long long time. So um, yeah, I mean uh, you know even though you, you, know, you look at uh, I, the teams, the teams were not. I mean because they played Montreal the game before that, and and Montreal, you know they they had a surprise run in the playoffs during the COVID playoffs, right? And and they they surprised the Flyers before that. Once you get in the postseason, you know you never know what it's going to end up looking like. But I, I it looks like the Devils are here to stay for a long time.
0: Yeah, and Jack Hughes is. Just, I mean, he's been unbelievable and he needed some time to figure out the NHL a couple of years yeah. coming in at his size. And, but the skills are there and, and he's coming to fruition a very nice way added with Heischer and Dougie Hamilton and they get in free agency and they're certainly building something there and they've got others as well. Um, Bill, let's get into the Flyers Factor Fiction because it kind of leads me to what I want to talk about next anyway. And so I'll give you a statement and you tell me whether it's Factor Fiction we discuss. So here's the first Flyers Factor Fiction. Now that the NHL trade market and values have somewhat been set to some extent, the Flyers will get a minimum conditional second-round pick for James Van Riemsdyk. Is that fact or fiction?
1: I don't think it's certified fact. It also depends on, uh, I mean, as a prerequisite, the Flyers will eat half the contract. I think that's that's just part of the cost of doing this. Um, you know, you, you, hear, you hear the r- rumors that are out there, like the Minnesota rumor, Mm-hmm. Is uh, uh, a third round pick in, in Jordan Greenway, and I, I'll tell you that I would rather have the conditional second, honestly, than uh, you know, than Greenway. I yeah. I, I I'd, I'd like I'd like for them to create more cap space, more flexibility going forward.
0: Yeah, they got a and, lot of Jordan Greenways already, you
1: know. Already, I mean, he's a big guy who can skate brings a physical presence, but they they really need guys who can score. Yeah. And Although although Green Greenway's a nice role player, one thing he doesn't do score very much. So I you know if if that's how that's how it works out, I I would rather I'd rather have a pick that's a little bit higher. But I think you know I think it's a fact that he'll that he'll be traded. I think it's a fact that they don't. I who knows maybe if they take a contract back from somebody, Mm -hmm. um for a year, then maybe you can bump it up around. So um so I I you know I don't think it's an absolute fact, but. You know, but I, I think there's at least a possibility plays out that way.
0: Yeah. And I look at this, too. And I mean, at this point, there's been a lot of movement. This trade deadline, look, deadline day may not be a lot because a lot's already taken place in the lead up here and some rather big names and Barbashev and obviously, you know, Tarasenko. And you look at Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari to Boston so there's a lot of movement happening. I mean, if James makes it to deadline day, he may be kind of the last option for teams and yeah. we'll see how that affects the market. But um, you know, one of the things bill that somebody shot me a DM and asked me and said, you know, you see some teams, Minnesota being one of them taking, you know, being a third team to take cap it. Cause they can fit it this year, but their cap trouble really starts next year. Right. Is that something you should see? You could see the flyers getting in on being a, being a banker here for a season. Here I mean, you could LDI, you know, Couturier and you can
1: you can you can make it work but here's here's the uh the caveat on that you don't want to end up in a situation where you're gonna end up with cap over just yep and, and uh because cap over just come off your come off your available cap for a year from now yeah. and it's not like the cap is going up that much so is it is it possible yeah it, it certainly is possible the flyers could do that and Figure it, figure it out in the off season and pick up an extra pick or a prospect or something and, and just figure, okay, we'll, we'll do it as it comes, but it, it's not as easy as it sounds. You know, we LTR are, you know, LTIR are all these guys and uh, boom, there's cap space. Well, yeah, there, there, there is in the, there is in the short term, but you don't, you don't want it coming off your cap a year from now.
0: Yeah. You don't want anything to hamper you going forward unless you're making a really substantial move which brings me to my next factor fiction that flyers factor fiction number two Travis Sanheim will be more likely to be moved this summer prior to the draft than Ivan Provorov. is that a factor fiction in your opinion
1: I think that I think it's a fact yeah I do too um, and uh, you know I certainly not a certainty that he's traded for one thing though prior to July 1st that's that's before the new deal with the the no trade kicks in and all bingo. that. Yep, bingo. That's uh, So that that that's your time frame where you can move them anywhere in the league, and there aren't there aren't stoppers on it. So yeah, I, I'd say funny.
0: Yeah, I think I would think that's a fact as well. Plus, you know, you and I have talked about with Provorov, and this team's need to keep moving forward, creating another hole, a top pair hole, and a guy that always plays and can give you twenty five to twenty seven minutes a night is one of those things that's not easily replaced. Yeah. Especially, you got to figure out the cost per replacement and all that. Um, fact or fiction number three, Bill. Uh, the Joel Farabee reports are not accurate in total and is likely agent driven because of playing time and usage. Fact or fiction? It's
1: uh, I think I, I certainly believe that's fact that, that, that it's that it was when you hear a report. You know, can you can be taken aback by it. it had it had a ring of not being accurate to me right off the bat. Um and it, it's for it's for two reasons. Really three. You know? Number one is that if you look other than uh, other than the game or two on the road trip where his ice time was way down. Actually his ice time hasn't only really been touched. His power play time is down. Um but he's he's actually his time on ice per game is actually slightly higher than his career average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, and even, a, even if it's kind of negligent more, but it, it's kind of what he's played over the course of his career overall. Um, you know, John Turrell just kept rolling them out there for a long, long, long time before there was any effect on ice time, just to try to get him get him going, try them different line combinations and, and whatnot. So that, that that's part of it. Um, you know, and also, also even things like his his particular usage. You look at how it breaks down. Offensive zone starts, still getting a lot of offensive zone starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I, you know I that, that that's one part of it. A second part of it is that Faraby has always been a a guy who doesn't make any excuses. He's ne- never, 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 mm-hmm. never once. And, and players sometimes will will put out the excuses and then say, "But I'm not making excuses." Yeah. Well, Faraby just goes to the, there's no excuses always always from the, from the time he was 19 years old
0: very accountable so, player
1: yeah. very accountable player and he knows he's had a down year he's he's not he just never struck me as the kind of player who goes well it's it's the way I'm being used even if that were a factor he wouldn't he wouldn't lean on that and the and the third part of it, Jason, is this even if even if a guy says all the right things in the room um you can you can tell an unhappy player. There's yeah. just something I in their demeanor, their body yeah. language, and Farabee does none of that. None of that with Faraby. I mean, clearly he's frustrated with his season, but you know, you, you see him and and he's messing around with Frost, and he's there and you know, joking around with the guys, and he always has a smile on his face. And nice, you can say he's faking it, but he's fa- he's hiding it really well if that's the case. So so uh, you know, all those things combined, it just didn't strike me as this is an unhappy player who wants out. Yeah. Um and, uh, and and there's also there's also the factor which again he will not use which he will not use as an excuse. Actually he said that he said if it was in the same situation again he would have still come back for opening night. Yeah. So he he's not using that as any kind of an excuse. So it um you know I I it really it really smacked of agent speak and mm-hmm. from all the information that's come out since then I think that's exactly what it was.
0: Yeah, you know, sometimes people say though if the agent says something gets like let's let something like that get out, then it's usually sanctioned by the player or okayed by the player. So, this is
1: true.
0: yeah, but well, you know, we'll see how it plays out because you know from what I've heard from some people um, that are close to him is he's frustrated with his play, and this is a guy that had an off season surgery, but it's a little different, Bill, because this off season surgery didn't happen in late April when the season ended; it happened on June twenty fifth. which is really late in the game. So anything he did prior to that, from a conditioning, from a strength standpoint, when you have the surgery and you have to recover from it, all of that goes away. It's like it never happened, you know? Totally
1: back to square one, yeah.
0: Yep, you're back to square one and you you don't have, because now you're rehabbing, you don't have the ability to rebuild muscle and you already lose muscle mass in a season because you can't work out. You know, you can't, bang, you can't be in the weight room banging out plates every day when you're going through the rigors of an NHL schedule. You just yeah. So you're going to lose muscle mass to begin with. And, and Joel's not the biggest guy uh, as well. So I, I think that that goes into it as well. Um, next factor, Flyers Factor Fiction, is this, Bill. It, it makes more sense. I'm, I'm kind of on the business angle here right now. But it makes more sense for both the Flyers and for Carter Hart and his agent in camp to not sign an extension – until well after the season begins next year, even though he's eligible for an extension on July first, fact or fiction? I think that's fact too. I do too. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, for for one thing, for for Carter's,
1: and he's a confident kid anyway. It's betting on himself. But you also, you know, you you want to see where you want to things see where things go, which direction it goes. He's off to. So I I, th- I think that uh, this is something where he it's not like he's a year away from being. In, unrestricted free agent with the flyers have to worry if it goes into the season. Uh, I I just think that I think that from all the, from both the players own business side and from team business side, you're better off waiting. See what the economics
0: are going to be. Right. I mean, if they, if the cap barely goes up this year and the PA and owners decide not to work out a deal to have it escalate further and kind of delay the escrow repayment a little bit further, then you want to know what the business, what, what's the cap, what's the percentage of the cap? What does $6 million on the percentage mean? If we have a better idea of what that cap's going to be, he could end up getting more money because, and, and from the Flyers standpoint, you know, you want to, I think you want to delay it as well. You want to see what Sam Harrison is. And, um, you know, I don't think that they lack any confidence in Carter, but you know, you do your due diligence and you see where it goes yeah. from there. And if the team is certainly, a team that looks like it's moving forward and and on its way up, then I think it's even more imperative that Carter bank on that as well. Um, Bill, one of the things I've noticed recently brings us to our next Flyers Factor Fiction, and this is because TK's out. But Flyers Factor Fiction, I guess this is number five. Not only does the team obviously need more higher-end talent, but it's clear with TK out that they also badly need energy players that play and feed off emotion because the record without TK is not good. And I really saw it in this last couple of games since he got hurt in Calgary, that there's not a player out there that's jumping into that void of being a player that feeds off emotion. Because I think those players can get other players to play with more emotion at times too, when the team lacks it. And that's another element that they need going forward because you're going to have games in February and the dog days, and it's going to be hard to get energy, but having a play, like when TK's out there, even in those games, I think he'd have played with a ton of energy. They need more of that.
1: They they do. Uh, but I think there also has to be a skill element with that player too. Yeah. you know, Because Flyers do have, do have some guys towards the bottom end of the lineup that they, they, they can read the emotions of a game, but you know, Nick Deloria is not, not the player that's going to, be out there and change the change the tempo of the game,
0: right? Even, and, and, even Wade Allison too. Yeah, I agree. And
1: Wade, Wade Allison's absolutely another one. Yep. Uh, Zach McEwen play, plays yep. you know, with, a, with a ton of emotion. Um, but uh, yeah, you, but but it has to be guys on the top end of the line. And listen, uh, Scott Lawton plays with a lot of emotion too. But he's uh, you know I you know lots is well. I actually you know uh, I'll bring up a second point in a second, but. I mean, I, I think they, but I think he's a middle six guy and, and yeah. more of the, you know, more of the top nine kind of end too, uh, other, other than his penalty killing role, because obviously he plays a lead role on that. Mm. Um, you know, but, but part and parcel of that too is where said the other day that he had a fear a couple months ago that there were guys who were going to hit the wall because of the number of minutes they've been getting. Right. And some of them are young players. Uh, he just sat out Cam York for a game.
0: Yeah. Clearly he was one of them. He was clearly one of them.
1: Um, I think Scott Long's another one, too. Um, mm-hmm. He was playing, I think, the best hockey of his career. And when, you, when you take the whole picture together, the penalty-killing side, he was even on power play one for a while, right? He was, he was logging 18 minutes a night, some nights 20 minutes, you know, and, and uh, was scoring, too. Um, you know, and, and he was really playing at a very, very high level and kind of burning the candle at both ends, um, you know, you, you know what you're going to get from him. I mean, he's going to, you know, work his tail off every game and, and help kill penalties and all that too. But, uh, but he looks, he looks a little bit worn down to me. Yeah. You know, he, uh, g- games where I thought he might've been able to make, you know, make a difference or, or help stabilize things have been a bit of a struggle. Um, you know Kevin Hayes has been up and down for several months here, but he's but he was he was another guy who was way down again in February. It, it's been a, it's been an odd year in that regard. Um, not that he's not that he's a you know he's because Kevin's a pretty laid back guy most of the time, but but he had that great October, the great November, a really down December, a really strong January, and a really down February. So it's been you know it's been kind of a roller coaster since the first two months of the season and. And the season as a whole it's been a, kind of a roller coaster emotionally you know moved from center to wing he was benched you know you, you still hear his his is one of the names out there in trade rumors and uh i I think uh, you know I, you can understand if somebody gets a little bit emotionally spent um I mean Torta said that he views a lot of this more as mental than physical i i think I think there's some of both to it honestly I agree um but you know but i I think that some of these guys who they 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 really need to be guys who either stabilize or or when a game is online or you need a change in momentum, one of the things coming into the season too that tort said um is that one of the things you you need as you're building an identity is you have guys who it's e it's so much easier to play well when the team is playing well. It's a lot harder to be a difference maker when things are going against your team. Yeah. And and those guys are just worth their weight in gold to step up when, you know, when things are not going very well for the team, whether Mm -hmm. within the game or for the team as a whole, that's an area where I think a lot of the young players, the, you know, Tippett being one frost being another, those games when things kind of start to spiral out of control, they play like the rest of the team does a lot of those nights. And the Flyers really need guys. And TK's been, TK's been one of those guys for much of this year. Even if the team is down, even, even if they were a couple goals down, it would seem like that would be the time when TK would do something. And that's why they won so many games where they were trailing early. So yeah. they, def- they definitely need more players who, who, who stoke the emotions in combination in combination with the, with the skill element too. Definitely a need.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Flyers, Factor Fiction, uh, I guess number six. Bill, as bad as the results have been over the last 13 games and the 2-7-1 record in February, only 1.8 goals per game, four goals average allowed per game, power play at 11.8%, penalty kill at 66.7%. Even as bad as that has been of late, Torts and the management of the t- or the organization can learn perhaps a little bit even more with the adversity than if things were going continuing to go smoothly. Because now you're you're in this situation, Bill, where you can look at everything and go, okay, how do these guys react amidst this? We saw it earlier this season and then they straightened it out. Um, but that was early in the year. That was in uh, November. This is now February heading into March. Can they learn more even now than about adversity and how uh, all these players handle it, both young, you know, in their prime of their career and older players?
1: They they can, particularly because you're getting into you know, I, one of the things that, that Torts had said and, and I agreed with is that you want to play meaningful games as deep into the season as you possibly can. Yeah. Now the, the what happened what happened in February means Flyers are playing out the strength as a team. Not yeah. not individually, but you know, um players players don't get jazzed up for for draft odds. They they just don't. They don't care. Yeah, they, they they care about their own role. They care about their teammates, you know the, those kind of things. They don't they don't care where the Flyers finish in the you know draft lottery. So one thing you learn about players now is okay, you know who are the pros, right? Who who comes out and finds motivation, and finds ways to play and plays and dig deep, um, you know with with the game's not meaning much. Um, and and I think I think some players you already have a pretty good sense uh, on a positive side. Uh, I think Noah Cates will bring the same effort, intensity, you know, and and competitiveness regardless. Um, He's, he's actually a guy who's played a lot of minutes and just in the last couple of games, has started to seem a little worn down to me too, but, but it's not, it hasn't been effort or emotion. It's just been, I think physically, physically it's been a grind, you know, playing, playing against guys like Connor McDavid and, Calgary was a tough physical grind of a game, um, you know. And and, he, and he's always playing, always playing the toughest opposition. But I, but I, he's a guy who you know, I think, will always bring that that certain level of professionalism and competitiveness. Other guys, you want to see it. I hope to see it, but um, you know, but but it, it'll be telling. And every everybody can say we need to find motivation, but do they? And that's. Uh, that's one of the things that, that there is to learn over the you know players over the over the rest of the season because the you know I think we were saying at points of the season when they were on that role that they're not that good and they weren't as bad as they looked over the 10 game and they're certainly not they're certainly not a, a 1.8 goals per game and four goals against team either. they're they're better than that, but they have to play you know they had to play it they have to play that way. I mean, when things went off the tracks the the previous two seasons, they could not get they couldn't they couldn't pull it back yeah and
0: Got to see if that's that, different
1: yeah, yeah. And, and and if you you know if if you are really starting to establish a different standard here that's part of it right like yeah. be, being able to get things back on track when things are going badly and and building towards something better in the long term how how you handle a thing like this is is paramount because there's always going to be ups and downs in the course of a season hopefully Moving forward into the future, we're not we're not talking about 10 game winless streaks, multiple ones in a season, like we had, you know, a couple times. So I, I think uh I, I think you learn a lot. I
0: do. Yeah, and the other thing too is you know, Tort said this the other day in his press conference, maybe been after the the Montreal game. He said, Yeah, I think everybody played hard and we got players to play hard, but we need Some players that play hard, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like guys that when they line up on the wing in the face off, you know, there's a neutral zone face off. They're just already locked in and you're not going to budge me. Not just going through them. They don't go through the motions in any element, as long as the scoreboards turned on and they just, they're, everybody plays hard, but there's some guys that play really hard. They make every element for the opposition difficult every board battle every loose puck every face off tying your guy up or whatever you got to do based on your assignment they they do need to look we'll find out I mean there's the deadlines this week who knows James uh certainly seems like he's obviously likely to be gone uh we'll see about Patrick Brown and uh Elliot Denoy came up and you know I mean it's a seven nothing game it's going to be a game he's going to want to forget it was his first NHL one but he didn't look out of place to me, Bills. Particularly in that first period, you know, had a couple hits, had some block shots, got a couple shots to the net. So he doesn't look like a player that's overwhelmed by it. And I mean, he's a fifth round draft pick. He's really developed nicely here. Maybe a bit of a late bloomer.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it started started in the draft plus one. Um, yeah. You know, he he was playing he was playing the situation um, in, in the queue up to the draft where. He was on a stack team, so he was a he was a fourth line guy mostly, you know. This they, is with Moncton, move. right? Moncton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. So you know they 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 moved him, and uh, he now he's playing a lead dog role. But you saw in the World Juniors that he playing the fourth line, and they bumped him up into the top nine because the guy was Ridley Gregg got injured, and so they they bumped him up, and um and leading the Phantoms and scoring this year and wasn't expected to. You know, the, that thought was the offense might come in time. So I, th- I think he's a, he's a guy who uh, gets better every year. He's He's been a coach's favorite, worn worn a letter wherever he's gone. I have a feeling he's going to be a player that Tortorella really likes. Does mm-hmm. need to get a little physically stronger. But uh, that that's a player I expect to see more games in the NHL this year. And then when he moves up full time, I think he's, he's there to stay. Um, yeah. whether, whether, and, and, and the guy who I thought initially, I thought, okay, he's going to be a bottom six guy. Um, now I think he's going to be that kind of Swiss army knife player where you can move up and down the lineup. He can play center. He can play either wing Can kill penalties for you. Um, I don't think he's going to score a ton in the NHL, but I think he will score contrib- contribute that way. And, and really what, uh, the game that, that he put out in, uh, in Jersey, is his game. I mean, that, that's just, that is just the kind of player he is. It wasn't just first game adrenaline. Yeah. Um, not to expect six hits out of him every night, but, you know, but just, just the competitiveness level. And uh, remember in the third period, he was moved up to the line with uh, Tippett and Farabee yeah. and, 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 and things that already, you know, the horse was already out of the barn at that point. Nobody was going to change that game around, but, but individually, I, I gave a very good accounting of himself. I thought.
0: Yeah. I thought so too, is last year with Halifax in the queue. In 61 games, 88 points, 42 goals, 46 assists. And so far this year with the Phantoms, 49 games played, having 19 goals, 18 assists, 37 points, um, you know, plus 10. You're, you're talking about a player that's you know kind of getting it done really all over the place. And, uh, well, I'll be interested to see him, and I'd like to see him get a nice playoff run with the Phantoms because the Flyers you know, sent uh, Sam Harrison back down. And well, it was about the least shocking thing in the world to a lot of us, but not to – a lot of others because they're freaking out and they're going, Why did they just wave Felix Anstrom? Well, first of all, the Flyers have a game on Wednesday and Sunday this week. That Buffalo game on January 9th was supposed to take place this week. So they have a very light schedule. So obviously, you can play heart in both of those games. Number one. Number 2 they you're leading up to the deadline. Teams are going to make moves with their goaltenders, and you and Grossnik is now injured again. So it's you know, you, you look at the situation, you go, we don't want to lose the guy for nothing. Yeah, he's not having a great year at the NHL level, but if he can help us with the Phantoms, and maybe it makes more sense to waive him after the deadline, after teams, you know, if Columbus is a team that looks like they're going to trade Corpus Allo. So they're going to need a goaltender in their system, and they may they may grab him. And, you know, you don't want to be short on the goaltending situation, especially when you want a lot of these young guys to go through a playoff run with the Phantoms. I remember Jeff Carter and Mike Richards went on a little bit of a run with the Phantoms when it called her cup. Those two guys, I think it was immeasurable how much that meant to them and others.
1: No, no, no question. No question. That was the, uh, and that year that was the lockout year. So it was an easy decision, Yep. but you know, this uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it, it uh, and these are guys that they'll be playing with also in the future. When, when you go through that experience of a deep playoff run together, Yep. It, it, it creates a bond that you take to the higher level. Um, you know, the, those guys who were on the – I mean, John Stevens coached them. And yeah. uh, to this day, they're still close to John Stevens and, and close with one another. You know, and, and I mean, that, that was a very good team too, right? They had Patrick Sharp on it. Mm-hmm. Pitkin was down down the NHL level that year because of the NHL lockout. But, but that experience of, of getting – getting deep in the playoffs together even even the group that they you know they got swept in the conference finals but even that phantoms group from from 2018 mm-hmm. um there was kind of a springboard for those guys sandheim it was a it was a springboard point for and for uh you know and and I'm trying to think who else was there oscar Lindblom went yeah back, went back there for that too so that uh you know it, it, it's a very valuable thing um you, you can't un, you can't underwrite the imports of of having some playoff runs under you, you know, even if it's at a lower level.
0: Yeah, it's still, it's the grind, and you can learn something from it. All right, last Flyers factor fiction, Bill. This was fun. Um, The Flyers will end up as a bottom six in the NHL points percentage team. Now, right now, they're sitting at number seven. The points percentage goes like this. Columbus has the worst at 0.367. Anaheim at 0.375. Uh, the San Jose Sharks and trading team O'Meara, 0.400. Blackhawks at 405. The Coyotes have been a little pretty good of late, 422. The Vancouver Canucks at 432. And then Montreal's at 458. And the Flyers are at 459. So they're a thousandth uh, better than uh, the Montreal Canadiens who just beat them. But they played two more games than Montreal. Will the Flyers finish in that bottom six in the NHL? um with the shot uh, the lottery odds i mean the sixth place team has a 7.5% chance the eighth place team is actually where they are now has a 6% chance
1: right so not, not, not that big of a difference um no.
0: yeah uh i mean
1: just just, just based on my february win and and the fact that they the fact that they had that earlier 10 game winless streak and then if you remember if you remember they won that game november 29th i think it was against the islanders and then they went on, and then they lost several more after that. Yeah. There's, not much, there's not much runway left of the season. If, if this were to go like that, then you're you're going to drop some spots. So, you know, I if I felt like the Flyers were right in the brink of pulling pulling the nose back up on the plane there, I, I yeah. would say no. But but right now, based on what I've seen over the last 13 games, you know, I, I would say yes. And I, you know, and and. uh and then you then you see where it goes with the lottery. But I, I, I always prefer I always prefer a team to be competitive. But whether whether you win or whether you lose, when the situation where the Flyers are now and, and you're trying to establish a way of playing and whatever, I want to see I want to see that you can be competitive, whether whether it ends in an L or a W at the end of the night. I think that, that still needs to be the goal. I, I, it's something we've said on this podcast, I don't know how many times. Yeah. You're, you're still assessing young players but you also you want to be competitive however however it ends up at the end of the night so um but you know the way it's been trending I, I you know i would say yes at least at least one spot further down i mean listen they they play montreal again right and uh yep. you know they're, they're going to play them head to head again based on the two meetings this season which montreal won both of those you know so yeah you know, it seems to be the way it's going
0: you know, the randomness of the NHL, the Chicago Blackhawks have won five straight games at, with what they traded away now. Kaner's been on a bit of a tear trying to get out of there
1: <laughs> to yeah. do
0: it, but uh, we'll see how that plays out as well. Last thing, Bill, could we see a playoff this year with no Ovechkin and no Crosby for the first time, I guess, since what, like 03? Yeah,
1: it's uh, it it's possible. Um, I don't know. I, until, until those teams get knocked out, I mean, Buffalo – you know Buffalo is a young up and coming team. Even if they even if they were to get edged out this year, they're, I think this will be the last year, and they'll they'll be a playoff team for for a number of years after that. Yeah. Um. I I I tend to kind of go with the experienced teams finding a way in. So I think I you know I think although there's a lot of a lot going on in Pittsburgh, a lot of controversy, is Hexie in trouble? All, all those things that hear coming out of Pittsburgh. I don't know. I, I still think I still think they could find a way to to get into the playoffs, whether they go deep or not. So, you know, and, until somebody proves it otherwise, I, I'll say that at least one will make it.
0: Yeah, I, I Pittsburgh's math is obviously much better than Washington's at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I just ran the NHL draft lottery simulator because I'm an insane idiot. Uh, the first time I ran it, Chicago ended up with the number one overall pick, and the Flyers ended up with the second pick. It's reminiscent. And. <laughs> uh, um, you get a good player, too, but it won't be Kane, or in this case, Bedard. Yeah, it yeah, uh, yeah. was a
1: real good player, too. So,
0: Yep, no doubt. And then the second time I ran it, the Flyers got the number one overall pick, and Columbus gets the second pick. So yeah. Flyers, Columbus, Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago. So we'll take that result. Uh, but we'll talk about when the time is right, which is obviously bill great stuff as always on flyers factor fiction and more everybody thanks for listening uh we're gonna have some player interviews i'm gonna head to practice today we're gonna tape some interviews and bring those to you on some upcoming episodes so look out for those and uh, we'll join you tomorrow rebuild stuff at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, nhl.com and hockeybuzz.com and we'll talk to everybody tomorrow in a brand new flyers day
1: your hair back from your eyes i take you down let the river flow